Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. How are we doing today? Good, good, good. It's good to be with you. Beautiful day outside. Eagles won last week. Can I get an amen? Going to the Super Bowl. And so I just feel it. I just feel it. And so it's good to be with you today. Uh, we are in week number two of a sermon series we started last week called uh, Satan's Billboard Material. And so uh, I want to teach you how to combat uh, the lies, the attacks of, of Satan. I read you a bunch of scripture last week. You remember uh, I read to you in Ephesians 4 where the Bible says to be strong and put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the schemes of, of, of the devil. And so he's, he's going to speak lies to us. We need to know what to, what to say back. We're not going to be apathetic, but we're going to speak truth. And so last week I said, let's build a foundation, right? Let me teach you what to say. Before you talk, let me, let me teach you to evaluate before you escalate. And, and then number two, uh, educate, then elaborate. So before you speak, decide, is this truth or is this emotion? Go to the word of God because you're educated. You've read it. You wrote it down. You recite it. You remember, you read it, you write it, you recite it, and then speak truth back to the lies that he speaks with the word of God. The Bible says of itself, it's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And so what I want to do for the next four weeks, now that we've built a foundation, is I want to take a look at four areas where I think Satan talks the most trash to believers from my own experience. Next week, we'll take a look at the, at the times where he constantly is speaking to us that God won't. Some of you are praying for something right now, and it hasn't happened yet. Some of you, maybe real practically, you're praying to get pregnant, or you're praying for your spouse, or you're praying for another opportunity in a business, or you're praying for a child that hasn't yet come back to the Lord that's grown and as you're praying, Satan is constantly saying, God, God won't God won't do it. God, God won't do what he says he's going to do. He won't keep his promises. He doesn't answer your prayers. And so we'll take a look at God won't. But today, I want to start off with uh, the first statement that I think he says oftentimes, you can't. You, you, you can't. Now, I went to a football game on Friday night, a uh, town football game, Friday night lights, anything, whatever you want to call it. Everybody knows that a football game, town football game, there's different elements, right? Like, obviously, there's two teams. You guys with me, tracking with me? There's two, there's two sets of bleachers. There's cheerleaders, right? There, there's a band. Anybody in the band? Anybody? Nobody wants to admit that. One person wants to admit that. And so in the marching band, I see you, Jody. And so marching band, right? In Montgomeryville, marching band, right? Marching band's there. Uh, uh, snack bar, concessions, all, all the things that happened. Friday Night Lights, purple. Everybody was wearing purple. It's Phoenixville. They also had a student section. You guys remember the student section? You either were a part of a student section or you played a sport where you saw the student section. The student section this, this week was uh, blacked out. So everybody was wearing, was wearing black, right? It's like going to the Penn State where they all wear white. Everybody was wearing black. And they're, they're chanting, right? And they're, they're trying to distract and they're trying to be a nuisance and they're trying to get their team pumped up. And I remember uh, there's, sitting in a, in a student section, seeing a student session, there was things that, that students would say to irritate the other team. Very specifically, when I played basketball, oftentimes when there was a foul called, how many of you know if you played basketball, if they call a foul on you, you never actually committed that foul, right? It's like, a, it's like a rule you're supposed to complain. You didn't foul them. Yes, you slapped them. They have a mark, but it wasn't a foul, right? It was all ball. And so uh, the student section, after somebody would complain about a call, in unison, they would do you can't do that. 
you can't do that. Come on. You, and so I started thinking about that because it was annoying, right? Like if you made a foul and you got a bunch of annoying, like yelling at you can't do that and doing that. Like that's what Satan does. Satan is looking at, at new believers. You're, you're in this room. Your life was a mess. You gave your life to the Lord. You're trying to change and you're trying to get your life together and you're trying to quit those old habits and you continue to, to fail and fall and you continue to get back up and go. And what are you hearing all the time from Satan? You can't do that. Maybe, maybe you're, maybe you're a, a, a more, more veteran believer, right? Like you, you, you've been, been here for a while and you've been trying for a while and you even were going good for a long time. Like you were pure of thought and your marriage is going well and you had quit that addiction for a long period of time. Maybe you had, you know, certain day, number of days of sobriety and you're good, but you failed. And you're hearing, you can't do that. Some of you, you've stepped outside of yourself, right? Because following Christ... It involves stepping outside of your comfort zone, right? There's going to be a time where he says, do something that's bigger than you, right? If I think about my own life, I think about pastor in a church, like that's bigger than me, right? There's so many times I hear in my head from Satan, guess what? You can't do it. You can't start that business. You're not smart enough. You, you're a failure. You are, you are a C student, right? For me, you barely passed Bible college. What are you teaching the Bible for? And I hear over and over and over again, you can't do it. All his demons, his minions dressed in red, right? You can't do it. In fact, I think he loves to tell us this because he knows ultimately discouragement sets in. Discouragement is his greatest tool in our lives. In fact, Satan was having a yard sale one time. Now, I think all yard sales are from Satan. And so, uh, but he was having a yard sale one time and people came up and started looking at the, 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 the things he was selling. They were all worn out. They had price tags on them. They looked at the price tag, the price tag for different elements of things he was selling. He was selling the tool for spite and the tool for hatred and envy and jealousy and immorality and deception. And every tool had a price tag and people were buying it. And then they came to this one tool, which was kind of towards the back. And it was, it was really weathered and really beat up and really used. And look at the price tag. It was super expensive. They're like, why is this, why is this beat up used tool super expensive? What is this? And Satan said, that's discouragement. Why is it so beat up? He says, because I use that on everybody. It works for every believer, young, old, you know, new, veteran, people who are trying to do something significant for God. Dis discouragement sets in. And if he can get you discouraged, oftentimes he'll, he'll quit, right? So what I want to do is I want to work you through real simply how you should respond to Satan's I can't discouragements. The moments in your life where he's saying you can't do it and you're dealing with discouragement. Real, real simple, right? Like last week I only had two and I was like, that's good. I'm going to do two again, right? Let's keep it simple when it comes to dealing with Satan. Number one is this. This one is, is really important. You're going to say this first. This is straight from the Bible. You ready? You're right. I can't do anything on my own. Everybody say it with me at both campuses. Say, you're right. I can't do anything on my own. The next time that Satan comes to you, and he attacks you with scripture or with lies. He attacks you with, with, with you can't do it moments. You, you fail. He often comes when you fail to remind you that you couldn't do it. The very first thing you're going to say out loud maybe is you're going to say, you're right. I can't do it on my own. 
Now, I know, I know that's, not, that's, that, listen, that's not very American. I know some of you grew up, you know, your parents had a boardroom somewhere. You went to the boardroom, and it had a, a golf course on a picture, and it said excellence on it, or, or, or a weight room, and it said grind on it, and it just, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. Or many of you grew up in the generation where you've been told, you know, you're, 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 you're perfect, and you don't fail, and if you just put your mind to it, you, you can do it. And so what happens sometimes in church, we take that because it, it preaches, and we'll say stuff like, if you just try harder and you just you just give more effort and, and, and you just put your mind to it you can do it if you're an addict just work a little bit harder your marriage failing just grind a little bit just grind a little bit more and satan loves it and here's why he loves it he knows we try we fail we frustrate we quit we try we fail right we get frustrated because none of us want to constantly feel like a failure and eventually we quit listen self effort is doomed for disappointment self let me let me just get out the american gospel let me just give you what the bible says self-effort in your addiction in your marriage trying to start that business trying to do anything that the lord has called you to do if you try to do it under your own strength you will fail years ago my, my middle son lincoln he was playing he was playing uh, uh t-ball he's gonna love that he's in here today he's gonna love this story and so and he was playing t-ball he was a long time ago though and, and he played his first game he did well. And, and, he, and he started talking about, like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. Yeah, you're doing great. But the Bible says pride comes before the fall. Some of the best moments of our lives, we, we go through failure, right? Like, we learn the most through failure. And so second game gets up there, and he, he, had, he, had, he, had, he had done a good job the first game. He had talked about how he's going to hit the ball. And he gets up there first at bat, and he swings at the, 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 the tee, right? And, and you already know if you're a parent, tee ball, one of the most painful things in the world to be a part of, right? And so just keeping them, just, it's like herding cats, just keeping them organized. He swings, and he hits under the ball right on the tee. You, you ever been there? Hits the tee, tee falls over, ball drops, right? So what they do, they put it back on. He gets even more concentrated. He swings again. He has all the confidence in the world. Hits under the tee. Ball comes off, drops, tee falls over. Third time, not lying. Swings, uh, hits the tee. At this point, I'm like, dude. I, I, I started praying, right? Because sometimes I'm like, please, God, let him hit this ball. And it, don't let it be. And he swung again. No lie. You can ask him about it. Swung, missed it. And he just, sometimes you ever, you ever just start getting in a fail rhythm? Where the more you try, the worse it gets. So the more he tried, the worse that, that it got. He would swing, hit right under the ball. They would put it up, down, whatever. Like just pray over it, anoint it with oil. Hit the ball. He just kept swinging, kept, kept missing. And the harder he tried, the worse that, that he got. In fact, at one point, I walked onto the field and I was like, if he misses again, he has to be out. He ha please, please. We can talk about it when he gets back over here. We'll figure it out what's wrong, you know, but if he, and he missed it again, and I was like, he's out. And they're like, no, nobody gets out at baseball. I was like, he is out, right? We are go we're going home, right? He did fine. He figured it out later. Next time he got up, he hit, hit the ball. But it was one of those moments where the more that you fail, the more effort that you get, the harder that you concentrate, the harder that you, squint, that you swing, the worse that you miss, the more frustrated you get. And Satan loves to get us in this position. He loves to get us to keep swinging and keep missing. I just got to swing harder. He loves when we get a book that says just make more effort, just dig a little bit deeper. He loves when we listen to a message. He loves when we get on Facebook and find some profound statement from a social media guru. He loves when we Pinterest something. I just got to work a little bit harder. I just need you to know that you are going to fail if it's up to you. Listen, first thing you say when he says you can't do it, you're right, I can't do anything on my own. I'm not good enough on my own to change myself. That's an emotional response. 
give a biblical response. Watch, watch what the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, which by the way, if you, if you have the right response, understanding it takes the pressure off you. It takes the pressure off you. Watch what it says in Jeremiah 17, just so you know I'm being biblical. The Bible says, this is what the Lord says, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. It's actually a sign that you're turning away from the Lord when you're trying to do it on your own. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will, they will dwell in the parched places of the, of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. They're, they're not going to see fruit in their lives. It goes on in 1 Samuel 2. He says, it's not by strength that one prevails. It's not by strength. Psalm 60 says, give us aid against the enemy for human help is worthless. I can't stop sinning because often I try to do it without God. I can't stop the drug by myself. I can't save my marriage by myself. I can't change my mind or anybody else's by myself. I can't heal from my past by myself. I can't forgive people that hurt me by myself. I can't stay pure in thought by myself. I can't figure out the next correct step to keep this business going that I started by myself. I can't even pray the right prayers by myself. I can't do anything by myself, and here's what's so good. Have you ever felt like your efforts to avoid sin and change yourself and get healthy and gain freedom are something you do for God instead of something you do with God? Like, like, like we're doing this to gain his approval. I want to make him proud, so I'm going to work really hard, but Satan knows, then we fail, then we frustrate, then we quit. We fail, we frustrate, we quit. So the very first thing you say, real simply, in every situation, when I'm sitting over here on the side getting ready to walk up and Satan begins to whisper in my ear, what is that thing doing right there? Satan, get away. And listen, second week in a row, where are you coming from? And so get out of here. And so, anyway, that's satanic. It's a fly, right? And so anyway, and Satan's trying to remind me over here in the seat, you're about to go up there for 30 minutes. You don't even like talking for two minutes. Everybody's going to be watching you. Your fly's probably going to be down. Your hair's going to be messed up. A fly's going to be flying all over the place. You can't do it. You know what I tell them right before I come up here? You're right. I can't do anything on my own. I can't do anything on my own. But let me give you, let me give you number two. I can't do anything on my own, number two. But I can do all things through Christ. Real simple. You're right. I can't do anything on my own. I can't change myself, but, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Listen, we are not a we can club. We will try harder. We will, we will do more. We will give more effort. No, no. We are a he can church. He can do it. He can change me. He can heal my marriage. He can set me free. He can change the way that I think. He can heal my heart from hurt. He can break that addiction. He can make me the person that I was supposed to be. I'm not a we can person. I'm a he can person, right? Philippians 4 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can do everything that God has called me to according to the strength that Jesus has placed in my life. Jeremiah 17 says, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. Zechariah says, not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. It's by the Spirit. The question is no longer, can I do it? The question is, can Jesus do it? Can Jesus break addictions? Can Jesus heal my marriage? Can Jesus make a way where there seems to be no way? Is Jesus the God of the impossible? Does the Bible say the same power that conquered the grave that Jesus had inside of him, that when I received him, that it lives in me? 
Can he do it in my life? I can't do it on my own, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I want to end with the story. Usually I start with the story, then I give you a couple points to the story. But I want to focus on this story because it's such a great example of it. So I want to show you this in Mark chapter 9. Just stick with me for a few moments. But the Bible says that when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. Watch this. I love this part. What, what, what are you arguing about with them about? He said, a man in the crowd answered, Jesus, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit who has robbed him of speech. So situation is, has arose. He's met a little, little boy. Uh, his father brings him. He can't talk. He's jacked up. He's, he's, he's possessed by a spirit, the Bible says. When, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Do, 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 do you see the predicament? So, so the disciples, they had, they had watched Jesus do miracles, but they didn't have the miraculous power of Jesus in them. So here, here's what happened. This is what we do a lot of times. We attack a situation with memory from scripture, but, the, but it's not really in our heart, right? Like you... I've met a lot of people who know the Bible back and forth and they have God here, but they miss a relationship with God by 18 inches. They have him here. Like they'll quote scripture. Their life will never be, be different. Uh, the fruit of the spirit is not in them. And they know it here. Like you know people like that. They even bust out King James Version, old King James Version. They're like, dang, right? You know your Bible. Then you see their life. They're a wreck. They know it. And so the disciples, they knew Jesus at this point. I mean, isn't it interesting? They watch Jesus do miracles. Jesus isn't there. They show up. They're like, we'll do what Jesus did. And they start to quote some scripture. Or maybe they try to do the same hand motions that Jesus did or say the same words because they'd seen Jesus do these things. And the Bible says that they do all these things and the, the dad's like, really? That's it? And the, the, the little boy is still, now he's frothing at, he's getting worse. Which, which is interesting. You ever notice that that, that happens to, 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 to religious people? Like they come in and they're desperate and they try to apply religion to their life, but they only get worse. Because then, then you're aware of your, your immorality and your need for a savior, but you do it through self-effort, which, which makes it even worse. It's better to just not even know and just live your life. So you're doing it through self-effort. So they, they pray and the Bible says that they won't be, be healed. By the way, every time that I start talking about this story, these lights start doing this. It's probably Satan. He's just, he loves, he loves, he loves to distract. And so just pretend this is Satan and we're not going to give him any, any time. That's what I've been calling these lights all day, Satan. And so, uh, but watch what the Bible says. The Bible says in, in, in Mark chapter 9 that immediately, oh no, verse number 19, it says, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me, he says. So they brought him and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. You know why? Because Jesus is a problem for your problems disciples are there with religion he's like do whatever in fact he's showing off jesus shows up and stuff changes like you ever notice when you say the name of jesus you're like the hair on your arm stands up i can feel it it's the name above all names the name of jesus you ever notice that that people outside of the church sometimes when you say jesus they get offended you can talk about God, but as soon as you talk about Jesus, the one who died on the cross for our sins, the, the God who came to us and saved us, that all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't want to talk about him. It's Jesus. Jesus shows up. He's the problem for the problem. The Bible says that the demon begins to show up, and Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood. 
is often throwing him into the fire and water to try to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us. What does Jesus say? If I can? <laughs> if I can? Question mark? If I can do it? He says, everything's possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief, right? I just want to believe. If that's all I got to do, I believe. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. You ever been through so much in life that it looks like you can't come back from it? But Jesus took him by the hand. He touched him and he lifted him to his feet and the boy stands up. The Bible says after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples in verse number 28 asked him privately, why couldn't we do that? And notice what he says. He says, this kind, this, this situation, it only comes out by prayer. You know what's interesting about prayer? Prayer, if you break it down, is humility. It's admitting that your situation is bigger than you and you need Jesus. And the Bible says, when you, when you pray that, when you pray, Jesus, I need you, the Bible says when you become weak, that his spirit is able to rest on you. His spirit is able to come into your life. See, Jesus is able in this situation to heal this little boy immediately and to remove it permanently. And so many times in our lives, we struggle because we don't invite Jesus into the situation. So real simple prayer. Every time Satan comes to you, and he tells you you can't and you failed. He usually comes in the middle of the failure, by the way. Because he knows you can go one of two ways in that situation. The Bible says when a righteous man falls down, he gets back up. I'm not made right through my actions. I'm made right through Jesus Christ. His mercies for, new, for me are new every morning. His faithfulness never runs out for me, even though I fail. So when I fail and I want to quit, Satan is there to say, you should quit. You can't do it. What am I going to say? You're right. I can't do it, but I can do all things through Christ. You're right. I can't do it, but I can do all things through Christ. Some things are only matched with prayer, he says. And so that's how we're going to end our day. I think it's fitting. I think we just should pray. I think we should stand to our feet all over our houses, both here in Montgomeryville. If you're in your house, maybe you would just stand. You've been watching church. You didn't even brush your teeth yet. I know. It's cool. But I think sometimes you get engaged when you stand. And I want you to do me a favor. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I don't want you to attack that voice in your head. Some of the greatest battles that we fight are not flesh battles. In fact, the Bible says that. We're not against flesh and blood. But the principalities and rulers of this world the ones that are our enemies. We don't, we don't give enough thought to it. Our thought lives, our struggles, our fears, our failures. So I wanna to speak to that today. I want you to leave this place encouraged. I want you to leave this place emboldened. I want you to leave this place saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Every time Satan says, you can't do it, you're right. I can't. But I can through Christ. I can on my own, but I can through Christ. So come on, where are you at right now? What struggle are you going through? What addiction is overwhelming you? Whose marriage is shattered right now and falling apart in this place? 
somebody in this place that Satan is saying, give up, quit. Some things are only matched through prayer, friend. So I just want you in your own words, just begin to proclaim the name of Jesus, the name of all names. Jesus, I need your strength. Jesus, I need your power and your presence. Jesus, I invite you to come into my life and take over completely. As you invite Jesus into your life, the Bible says that he'll send you the comforter, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you prayers to pray that you didn't even know that you could pray. He'll give you strength that you could never have on your, your own. He'll teach you things that you didn't know. The Holy Spirit will do things in and through your life that you can never do on your own. There's way too many Christians that I know. They're living a spiritless life. They know, they know God with their brain, but their heart and their life are far from him. Holy Spirit, just take over my life right now. I don't even fully understand it, but I just need you to take over. I can't do it on my own. I've been struggling for years. I want to remind you, the Bible says that one day, one day with God is better than a thousand elsewhere. One day in his presence, one second of humility, one time of admitting that you can't do it on your own is more effective than all of the work and all of the energy and maybe all of the counseling and all of the steps and everything else that you've tried to do, yet you're still struggling, give it to Jesus today. Give it to Jesus. And as we pray, we just fill this room with the presence of God for his glory. Maybe you're in this place and you say, you know what? I'm just a mess right now. I'm so broken. I'm alone. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I'm to the point where I just want to quit. I just want to give up. I have so much baggage. I've made so many mistakes. Listen, listen to my words. Listen. If your heart is still beating right now, God still has a good plan for your life. If you're not dead, God's not done. He's here right now. And the Bible says if you would just call on him, that he would come into your life. If you would just invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. And you say, what does that mean? Well, the Bible, the main message of scripture is that we're sinners and that instead of God running away from us, that God came to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus died on a cross for our sins, that he was placed in a tomb. And the Bible says on the third day, he rose in power. So he sacrificed himself to pay off of our sins and he defeated death. And it's through him that we become brand new people. That we are not people of self-effort. That we are people that are humble ourselves before him. We've invited him into our lives. And so I don't like to leave this place without giving somebody that opportunity. So as you continue to pray, church, would you just pray for this moment specifically? In Montgomeryville, would you just pray for this moment? There's people in this room that you don't yet know Christ, but you, you want to. Something shifted in your life over the last hour. Something's changed. You don't even know, you're, you're teary-eyed, your heart is beating fast, your palms are filled with sweat. You're like, I don't know what's going on. Listen, that's the spirit of the Lord and he's drawing you to himself. He does the work. You just say yes. He gives you a gift, you just receive it. So I'm gonna ask you a question and if your answer is yes, in faith and with courage, nobody else is looking around. It's just me, you, and God. That's it. Don't even worry about me. It's you and God. 
But I want to know, I'm praying with you as we close. And you would say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but I want one. I want one. I'm tired of feeling empty. I'm tired of feeling alone. I'm tired of feeling without purpose. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you would just invite him into your life, that he would, he would come in. So we're going to pray as we close. And if I've been speaking to you right now and you say, hey, that's me, front to back, side to side, here in Montgomeryville online, and you say, you're talking to me right now. Don't worry about who's beside you. If the Lord's speaking to you right now, in courage and in faith, would you just begin place your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, you're talking to me. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody? Another hand right here. Another hand right here. Yeah. Yeah. Another hand. You're in Montgomeryville, would you just keep your hand held high? Maybe you're online and you would just say, hey, that's me. They'll let me know right here in the room. We'll all pray together. Let's begin to pray, church. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. Jesus, we can't do anything apart from you. That's what scripture says. Nothing good comes out of our lives apart from you. No change happens apart from you. Joy is only momentary. Purpose, it runs out apart from you. We can't have a healthy marriage apart from you. We can't break that addiction apart from you. Jesus, we can't forgive apart from you. But with you, all things are possible. So Lord, we're going to lean into your truth. We're going to ask your power to come into our lives and your presence to come into our lives. Thank you for saving people right now. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he died on a cross for our sins and that he rose in power that we become brand new people brand new people the old is dead and gone a new day has come so i love i love that we would be reminded that what's true of us right now as we pray this is no longer true of us what we brought in here is not leaving with us we're a brand new person Lord, you're going to renew our mind. You're going to set us free. You're going to heal us. You're going to make us whole. You're going to give us a purpose to wake up tomorrow. You're going to do something both in our lives and through our lives for your glory. And I pray right now that you would be an, a voice of encouragement this week to this church. That we don't live our lives from our own strength, from our own effort. Lord, that we don't fail you, Lord, because we never, we never picked you up in the first place. That you don't love us more when we do good and, and, and be distant from us when we're bad. That you just love us that we would abide in you this week, that we would just rest in your love, and it's through that that would motivate us to be all that you've called and created us to be. Lord, would you move and would you work inside of us this week? Jesus, we love you. Thank you for all that you've done. In your name that we pray. One more time, church. Let's shout amen like we mean it today. Let's clap all over this house. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.